Dusty Champion, Stirk Dead. And you are listening to the For the Throne Dynasty Podcast. Welcome in to the For the Throne Dynasty podcast. With your defending champion, Stirk Daddy, runner up, Cascade Bear, third place, Amelia Clark Fan, D Sladkey, Bucks and Six. Justin STP6 Lefty79 Andy Pollock Little Slads Prince Palmer17 Spaceballs the FFT and WGL1035 Welcome in to the Red Wedding episode of the For the Throne Dynasty podcast, the absolute mega episode where we're going to talk about week 16. We're going to reflect back on this 2020 COVID season, our year two of our Dynasty League, and then we're going to kind of take a vision into the future of what we see happening with the current teams of our league. And then also we're going to be getting into our awards, your long-awaited awards. Uh, we had 10 out of 12 people participate in the awards, which is awesome to see. We're going to give out a couple awards, and it should be a fun episode. It'll be a long one, that's for sure. So thanks for listening, and we really appreciate it. The first thing that we really wanted to start with today is talking about the Gulag final. So if you remember all the way back, we were down to the final four in week 15 two got bounced and then we were faced with a matchup of china star versus jay boaster in the finals and it was definitely an interesting matchup it was very very high scoring i'm gonna let just justin kind of talk about the runner-up china stars starting lineup china star had a chance and it didn't look like he would um after Kamara went off against him, but he really made it close towards the end uh, before Jay Bolster pulled away. China Star had 162.74, two points over his projected. He started Aaron Rodgers against the Titans with 25.14. Austin Eckler versus the Broncos with 15.8. David Montgomery versus Jacksonville with 20.1. DeAndre Hopkins versus San Francisco with 12.8. Devontae Adams versus Tennessee for 43.2 in the stack with Rodgers. Travis Kelsey against Atlanta with 22.8. Robert Woods disappointed against Seattle with 8.9. Harrison Butker had 11 or 7 versus Atlanta. Uh, Browns defense against the Jets only has 7 points. If he flips Allen Robinson for Robert Woods, that's a 
two-point finish, but alas, he did not, and he ends up losing by 16. So the champion was Jay Boaster this year. He's a first-time member, and it all started at the top with Patrick Mahomes. He had 19.2 against Atlanta. He also had Aaron Jones against Tennessee with 12.8, and Derrick Henry with 9.8, sadly, against Green Bay. <clears throat> even with 23 carries. He had Tyreek Hill against Atlanta with 10.5. He was looking for a stack with Mahomes there. Uh, he had 41.5 with Diggs. So that was a crazy Monday night game. He had 16.2 with Darren Waller. And then in the flex, he had 56.2 with Alvin Kamara. <laughs> he only had one point from his kicker, Young Wei Koo, and then 11 points from the Ravens against the Giants with six sacks. So Jay po Boaster is our 2020 Gulag champion. Joins the reigns of Billy, Kayla, Steven, and myself. What'd you think about wow. this year overall? It was, it was a fun year. Uh, final score was 178.22 to 162.74. Jay Boaster had 16 over his projection thanks to Diggs and Kamara. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. They got a lot of new people into it um, that are really excited to do it again next year, including like my fiance, my brother, um, Jay Bolster. Now after winning it, um, yeah, it was it was fun. Uh, kind of sucks like some of the circumstances that happened for some of the teams that got out of it, but it was at least very entertaining to continue to talk about it every week on this podcast. Absolutely. So, and you're a former runner-up. I am. Yep. Matter of time before you win the title, or at least get close. I hope so. Okay, let's get into some cookies now. I know that you said when you were heading over to Colorado, you kind of calculated out the cookies, and you have some very interesting news regarding that. What did you find? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't realize this since I was in the car on the way up uh, to Colorado when I did this, but we set. A cookies record in the championship week which you think about it everyone's not setting an optimized lineup but people did and it was amazing because we beat it by less than one point um, our previous week 12 record was 370.22 we hit 371.1 for a cookie record Congrats to everyone who set their lineup. Thank you. It made it easier. Um, and I, I'm, I'm shocked, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I did not think that was going to be happening, especially if some people weren't even, like, playing players that were active or potentially playing joke players, which I know we did in our matchup. We did, Some people did in certain spots, but there are other spots where they kept in enough people in their starting lineup, and it worked. Uh, if we get right into it... Um, in a championship matchup, Sturk gets a cookie with Josh Allen at 40.3. Alvin Kamara, six touchdowns for Ryan. I know this won so many fantasy matchups. Unfortunately, Ryan did not make it there this year. 56.2 uh, point performance. I think that was the second highest score of the year outside of Tyreek Hill. Yep. Uh, yeah, that was that was insane. Will started Miles Gaskin, thirty three point nine. 
I started Devontae Adams versus Tennessee, which we talked about in the Gulag matchup. Uh, he had 43.2 points. Randy had 40.1 with Mike Evans. Lefty had 2 in a row here with uh, tight end where Rob Gronkowski had 19.8. And Michael Gallup had 30.1. Danny had Stephon Diggs with 41.5. Little Slads had Jason Sanders with 15. Ryan had Chase Young with 11.5. Danny had Roquan Smith, a Bella Dangers man, with 18. Will had Marlon Humphrey with 8.5. I was kind of shocked because every other person was in double digits, but he was our top scorer for a defensive back. And Devin White in the IDP flex spot for Spaceballs had 13. It all added up to 371.1, beating our previous cookie record by less than one point. Thank you for people who took some of their lineups seriously enough to make this happen. I know these don't count towards your team totals, but still it's cool to see that we had a top score ever. And also, we had our Week 16 championship. You ready to talk about this one, Justin? I am ready. All right, so for the second straight year, we saw the number one and the number two seeds get into the championship last year the one, number one seed was ryan and this year the number one seed was stirk daddy last year we know randy was the ultimate champion upsetting ryan and this year it was chalk stirk daddy defeats cascade bear 182 to 125 nearly a 60 point victory and he gets his first dynasty championship. So let's take a look at the teams here. I'll take Cascade Bear and talk about his players who definitely underachieved. Looking at his projected score, he was projected to score 163 and only scores 125. So he drastically disappointed as a whole team and Sturk actually exceeded by 15 points. So on Jake's side at the quarterback, he went with Baker Mayfield seat covers in a game versus the Jets, who everybody thought would be a juice matchup. Well, he only got eight points out of Baker Mayfield, and I believe that's because all their wide receivers were gone, correct? Yeah, uh, I think the only wide receiver that he had was like a fifth stringer and then practice squad guys. Like Kadero Hodge or something like that. Mm-hmm. So then he also had Backyard Lights, who had 9.9. Not a good showing for him, but he had been banged up. We had Giant Sabrero with Shades. He had he d disappointed by about nine points against the Titans with 12.8. We had AJ Dillon. Yeah, AJ Dillon. Uh, Mosquito had 17.3, so pretty good game for him versus the Chiefs. Disco Ball, really good game with 21.6. Eight catches. Outdoor Griller had 13.6. That's a good game for him. And then his flexes were not the best. We had T.Y. Houston, Backyard Pool, 9 points. Disappointing. And then Broken Flower Pot in the second flex uh, with 6.9. He flexed him away from Jacoby Myers. And then also the kicking legend, Young Way Koo, with 1 point in the championship. Looking at his IDPs. We had one stripe with seven points. Garden Scarecrow had eight, and Broken Chairleg had eight. Finally, Garden Gnome with two. So you can see a lot of his players just did not show up this week. What about Stirk's side? 
So Sterk in his newly crowned Facebook profile picture is kissing the trophy. And he is so happy about the Buffalo Whisperer. Uh, we already talked about it. We've got a cookie. Josh Allen with 40.3. Uh, Captain JJ with a very disappointing performance, but it didn't matter in the long run. Uh, 6.9. Nice. Uh, the rumbling, Rumble Tumbling Tumbler, I believe, Chris Carson's nickname, 10.9 for uh, Seattle. Uh, let's see, we had Tyron Johnson, uh, the guy who he should have played the week before for Keenan Allen. He started him this week, and he only got him 5.6. So two rough scores, but everyone else in Sturk's team performed well. Speedville, Vidiville, Mayor. I, I don't know, it's not letting me look at the, the nickname right now. Uh, Tyreek Hill at 14.5. Laser, Blazer, and... I, I don't know why it's not letting me see the, the nicknames right now. Uh... Laser Blazer and Touchdown Maker, I believe, had 16.2. Great performance. Dobbins for TDs, 13.7. Nice performance. DJ Lontar, huge performance, uh, 28.9 against Cincy. Matt Gay had 12. Miles Garrett had 7. The last Wright brother had 7. Daniel Sorensen had 7. I'm sensing a theme there. Uh... What's you say to me had 12. So he just had a very solid performance by his entire team and was led really by Josh Allen and David Johnson with incredible performances. He outperformed his projection by 15 points. Who would have thought that David Johnson would be a major contributor to a title team? Uh, definitely not me. <laughs> the guy that was involved in a trade for DeAndre Hopkins, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was an overall awesome year, of course, with 70, what, two or three trades. I don't remember which one exactly, but another great year, hoping to that everybody keeps the activity up going into next year, because that's what makes the league great, right? Absolutely. It makes it a lot of fun. So the last thing I kind of wanted to, to, to just mention in this little segment here is about the votes that we actually did um, in terms of rule changes that were proposed and then also voted on. I just want to kind of summarize and we can maybe talk about the impact that, you know, a couple of them would have moving forward on our league. <clears throat> so it started off, the first proposal was something I made and it was just a straight up vote, knowing that the NFL is eventually going to be expanding from 17 weeks to 18. I figured it was my due diligence to kind of set something in place also randy proposed the two-week championship which did not pass um, but i thought you know should we do 13 weeks in the two-week championship or should we do 14 regular weeks and then just a standard one week uh 10 to 2 vote the 14 weeks and then three-week playoff passed so 10 to 2 that'll be put in place uh effective this year as long as we know that they're going to be adding a 17th game. If they do not, it would just be as we've been until that change would happen. The second vote was remove the kicker, which failed 1 to 11. So clearly that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> the third vote was change kicking stats, which I don't think people read this clearly enough because it was change kicking stats to 0 .03 per field goal yard. 
plus three points per field goal made. So to put this into perspective right now, that would be like a 60-yard field goal uh, being about five points, give or take. Um, let's see here, point oh three times 60. Yeah, so a 60-yard field goal would be 4.8 points. And then also like a 17-yard field goal would be uh, 3.51. So you can see the gap is not far off between those two. It's about a point, 1.2 points. Uh, that actually passed 10 to 2, but then I found out you can't change to minor decimal um, statistics for that. So we ended up doing a second vote just to decide, okay, should we go ahead and maximize the amount of kicker scoring? So it'd be like a 50-yard field goal. It'd be 5.9 for a 59-yard uh, field goal. And then you also get the three points. Um so we discussed that, that vote failed. So we are just sticking with the standard kicking stats for that. Yeah, I fully admit I did not read it closely enough. I thought we were gonna do, um, so you get the standard three points and then it'd be um, a 5.9 point field goal, which I think is what we have right now, right? Yeah. If it's a 59 yarder. So right now a 59 yarder would be five points. Okay, that's what – see, I thought when we had, like, a 59-yarder that the scoring would make it a 5.9-point field goal. Mm. Um, that's what we have in another league that I'm in, um, and I like that system a lot. Um, and I didn't read it close enough, and I, I, I guess we'll have to re-talk about that for next year and maybe propose that. Um, I don't think everyone read it close enough, but we'll see. That was just a strange happening, and we'll, we'll make it happen next year, I sure. hope. So then we had a vote for increasing IDP scoring at my my discretion. Uh, that passed 11 to 1. So it was pretty clear that people wanted IDP scoring to go up. Yeah, if we're going to add more to the draft um, and make it more towards IDP, like IDPs were getting nothing. Like they, they had to pretty much score and have like three picks on the game to make it worth like a receiver, a good receiving score, a good safety score. So I like the changes. You can talk about some of the, like the scoring changes you made for them. Yeah. So we changed IDP touchdowns from six to eight. Uh, I put it to a vote also to decide if more people leaned eight or 10 points. Uh, it was pretty split down the middle. So I thought eight was the safe option for that. Not too drastic of a move. For sack, we changed sack from three points to four. We implemented a one-point bonus if you get a hit on the quarterback. Uh, I think that's pretty important for pass rushers. Absolutely. Half a point is added for a tackle for loss. So, obviously, you get your point if you get a tackle. If you just get a assisted tackle, that's a half point. But then you also get a bonus half point if it's for a loss of a yard. Um, and then we also or we uh, increased blocked punt PAT or field goal. I believe it was four points beforehand. We moved that to seven. Um, interception, we also moved that to seven. So those are pretty equal. And then fumble for fumble recovery, that is now three. And force fumble is four. So if you add the fumble stats together, that's seven as well. For a sack, that's four points. That moved up from three. Assisted tackle, we already knew it was a half. 
we bumped up past defended from one point to two points. So I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that um, it, if you go and you look at one of your players right now, uh, as in terms of the IDPs, I believe that the scoring was like applied to it. I could be wrong. Um, actually, I think I, let's see here. I don't know, because I'm looking at, for example, I'm looking at Xavier Howard, and he has double digits like every single game. So I don't know if that would be the case, especially because like I'm looking at one of his 18-point performances. He has one pick, so we know right now that would be seven points. And then right here it says uh, that he has seven tackles. So that's around like 14, and then you have to add in passes defended we'll see it doesn't really matter um but obviously that'll be applied for this upcoming season i'm excited for that because it was really really hard for an id uh, for a defensive back to get any kind of points without getting a pick or having an insane tackling day and now they're going to get a lot of points for like passes defended so like cover corners are going to be more valuable uh the pass watchers stats are going to go way up i'm excited for this so then our next, I just locked my phone. The next thing that we voted on was a rookie draft. We voted on if it was going to, if we wanted it to be either one week after the NFL draft or two. Uh, it was voted nine to three that it should be two weeks after. I think that's good. It gives you a week to kind of do some research and then really start lasering in on the draft. So that's nice for that. Uh, players out multiple weeks, which would be two plus, two or more. Should be allowed on the IR. This failed 2 to 10. So it seems like everybody only wants on there. Um, the only reason that we really had where out players could be on was because of COVID, obviously. But uh, that got shot down pretty pretty heavily. I, I, I uh, had submitted that, and I was thinking that next year our like IR and our roster size is going to go down a little bit more. Um, so I was hoping that if even if our IR went down, like we could just throw a guy on for like a week or two and then bring him back onto our roster when once our IR gets filled up because the NFL always is an IR full. Sure. Um, I figured I'd throw it out there, but whatever. Then we had turn one bench spot into a third wide receiver. Uh, that was a seven to five approval vote, but you need nine votes to pass, so that fails. We also had turn one of the bench spots into a second IDP flex. Same thing applies there. Seven approvals and five declines. That fails. Third, we had... Like, what was that? I like the receiver spot. The, the receiver one would have been nice. But I think with starting four IDPs, I think that's that's good for right now. I think that's how I voted. I, I don't, how did you vote for I that? Know, I know for third wide receiver spot, I voted to decline that just because of the fact that we just added in a second flex. Uh, and then mm -hmm. the other vote for turn one bench into a second IDP, I believe I, I, believe I approved that. Uh, just because I I assumed that we'd be having IDP scoring going up, but mm -hmm. um, both of those do not pass. So we'll see if anybody proposes those again. With IDP scoring going up, I'm expecting our cookies and everything, all our regular scoring to go way up next year too. Yeah, absolutely. So then there was also a proposal to change the taxi squad for, to two years. That was also a seven to five vote, but that fails. So it's staying at one. We also had in here implement a mandatory $5 winner-take-all tournament for non-playoff teams. So all the teams that don't make playoffs 
It's a $5 entry. They're going to operate on the same way. So the seven and the eight will get the buys. And then it's just a standard bracket from there. The winner takes home $30. That passed 10 to 2. And that will be implemented this upcoming season. And involved incredible discussions. Um, I think this past week um, on the both Facebook chat and the new league chat, I'm excited for some form of a, a bracket for the teams that were out of it. I did not propose this, but I love it. Yeah, I definitely voted to approve it because it keeps people active even when they're out of the league. That's the way it should be, especially because we know that in Dynasty Leagues, you should be active in the offseason as well, very active, not just sitting around and not checking messages or you know not doing anything at all because it's a consistent team. You're your GM, as Will likes to say, and you should be weighing trades preparing for the draft and so forth. So then finally we had ha- or we had 0.05 points per kick slash punt return yard being proposed and that ended up being a 6-6 failed vote as well. I know you voted to approve it. I voted to decline that. We had talked about it that, like towards the beginning of last year um, and I'm like that'd be a really cool thing. I didn't even know you could really do that i know that you get points for when your returners get a touchdown but you don't get like the yards or anything i thought it'd be interesting i did not propose it but i I was on board with it i also um proposed a vote at if the idp scoring didn't pass which i was hoping it would that we'd pare down the rookie draft because there's no sense in having a six-round draft with uh out idp scoring increase but I'm happy IDP scoring increased, so I think that was pretty heavily failed as well, which I'm fine with. Yeah, there, uh, I think I put yours to a vote, but to be honest, if IDP scoring would have failed, I would have cut it down to five rounds because I still, or sorry, to four rounds because I still think five is way too many for. I mean, I think four was was fine as is. I just thought the reason we added a couple rounds is only for IDPs and then also for potential free agents if you wanted to draft those. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our tech. Taxi will look a little bit different this year because you won't get to be able to grab some rookies. I think last year we had like 30-something waiver claims right after the rookie draft. That's not going to be a thing this year, I don't think. So I think what I'm planning to do when we have our draft this year is I would like to do the first four rounds live. And then, you know, because I'm going to be doing it on Google Meets or Zoom, either one. And then for rounds five and six, my proposal is... You don't have to be there for like live or anything like that. And then I'll basically just like start a timer on sleeper and it'll just continue like that. Just because I don't think we need to be waiting and discussing trades for rounds five and six. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Like make it like a eight, eight hour timer or something like that. Make it a slow draft. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Or well, what I was actually thinking is just finishing it that night. I mean, like, because honestly, I don't really think that you should be discussing trades for rounds five and six to be personally honest, but maybe people want to, we'll discuss that in in a bit, but I was thinking like, you know, just finishing it that night, but not requiring people actually being there. Gotcha. Okay. I like that too. That works. Just so you can kind of get it done all in one night. Mm -hmm. So that's all we got for this segment. We're going to come right back and what we are going to focus on to start is we're going to kind of talk about, some funny moments, some what the fuck moments just happen, um, and then some player scores to remember. Those are the three categories we want to kind of start with next. So we'll be right back. 
Joffrey, Cersei, Walder Frey, Meryn Trant, Tywin Lannister, the Red Woman, Beric Dondarrion, Thoros of Myr, Ilin Payne, the Mountain. Would you shut up? So the first thing we're going to be talking about is basically a mini introduction to the Red Wedding. And we have three categories we're going to cover before we transition into talking about every team's dynasty outlook going into the offseason. And then afterwards, we're going to follow that with our awards ceremony. So let's start first by talking about some funny moments. We have a couple. I know a lot more of them are going to be in the awards section. But these are just ones that we kind of remember um, in terms of just like having a good time, having some comedy moments. So the first one, and by far the most, what do you call this? The most, uh, in what's that word? It starts with I. Um, I, I don't know what word you're looking for. Okay. The most, you know. Intriguing? Uh, yeah, intriguing, or sure, we'll go with, is the rise and fall of duplicate player. So <laughs> what, what do you remember about like how this actually started? Uh, you got him first, right? Yeah. Yeah. And everyone was like, who the fuck is this? What is going on? And then everyone is just going, I, you know, I think, I think will got him first. I could be wrong, but I know for a fact that the, the picture was Chris Herndon. I know that for a fact. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go back and look just to see his his uh his 2020 journey, um, <laughs> but uh I just remember everyone going nuts over everything that happened with that guy. It was so much fun, and then it got annoying eventually, but it was it it was just fun like seeing everyone trying to put him in in trade offers. Uh, he eventually was actually traded for a legitimate player. Yeah. Um, it was it was nuts. It was just it was a fun thing, and I cannot find duplicate player, and they must have deleted him. <laughs> that's that's sad. Unless he's on a ro no, he's not on the roster. I don't know. Well, the R.I.P. Yeah, rest in peace, duplicate player. Never forgot. What 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 do you remember about him? I the only thing that the the thing that just sticks out to me was like what the fuck just happened and i think i think what it bottled down to is i think sleeper was kind of trying to tinker a little bit with seeing if they can do what are like you can have player clones in some platforms so that'd be like if you have a very big league like 64 teams or something they cl they clone players so that multiple teams can have a share of that player i'm wondering if sleeper was trying that out uh with with the duplicate player i have no other argument or like reasoning for why that would have happened but the fact that like mitchell trubisky who at the time was a starting quarterback i believe when he was traded for a duplicate player i'm like are you kidding me that this is actually like a legit player now i thought that was just ridiculous i thought so too it was it was entertaining uh the, the trade was insane which we'll talk about later on um and then a duplicate player just ended up being brought up so many times in yep. trade discussions and jokes and everything. Um, I'm, I, I will say it was funny for a while, but I, I'm happy that it is done. Okay, so the next moment was Randy, who had Darius Geis. Remember that guy? Yeah. 
So Darius Geis, who was the starting running back for the Washington football team, uh, gets into a domestic dispute, is an absolute idiot, and ends up getting cut from the Washington football team. Ron Rivera says, I don't want to have any part of this dude. He's currently still unemployed. The funny moment came is after Darius Geis was cut by the Washington football team, Randy still, when people were reaching out to him, was valuing him as a first-round pick type player. And I believe (laughs) like a week and a half later, he cut him. So I was like, what? Just crazy. Yeah, um, I just cut my audio. Just cut out for a I was second say, there. What happened? This is awkward. Um, yeah, I, I even before that he wasn't worth a first round pick. He was worth maybe second, third potentially if he was the starter. Uh, but he was went through injury plagued years at LSU. I just can't believe that he was still offering a first before he was eventually cut <clears throat> and was never picked up again. Uh, by both NFL team or by a fantasy team by us. Okay, so one of my favorite moments from the draft, I don't think I'll ever be able to forget this just because when you know Danny and the type of guy he is and like everything like that, this is just like a typical D-Slads moment. And it also happens to be that he was trying to trade up. He was trying to trade up with Will because he wanted to draft Jerry Judy. Well, if you recall... Will had the number two pick, and he swapped that with you. For, was it for the 8-9? Yep. Yeah, so for the 8-9, he traded, and Will had already had made the picks. Uh, I believe Sterk was on the clock, because that's who I <laughs> traded with. And D Slads is trying to negotiate with Will. He's like, I need Judy bad. I can't believe he fell this far. I need him. What are we talking for this pick? And <laughs> meanwhile, everybody else is trying to negotiate with Sturt Daddy, because Sturt Daddy has the pick and he's on the clock, and Dan's completely out of the ordinary. Probably had a few adult beverages in him, and he's trying to negotiate with someone who's not even on the clock and already had made his picks. As a result of that, D Slads did not even end up with Jerry Judy, and I ended up with him, and he was fuming. <laughs> and then when we, the story was brought up, everyone was just like, "What in the hell? How did you do that?" Yeah. <laughs> I think that was like a round or two later that it came up. Speaking, uh, I think later yeah. on, I think later on, once Jake and uh, entered the draft as well, because he only had a couple of like really, really late round picks, he negotiated with the wrong team at one point as well oh my too. Gosh. So it was like for a third or a fourth rounder. Ridiculous. So <laughs> I will, co- I will come into that because Jake was trying to negotiate. I'll add this into the moments. It's not typed out, but we'll talk about it later as well. Jake ended up, he came into the draft, I think it was like the end of the second. I think it was like 210 or 211, and he ended up taking Antonio Gibson, which was obviously great value. And he starts negotiating with Randy, who's in the chat, and he says, what are we talking? I'll give you a fourth for DeAndre Hopkins. (laughs) Randy doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins. I do. (laughs) And Randy tells him that, and obviously... You know, when you're discussing trades, you never wanted to, uh, to uh, offend someone to prevent yourself from being able to trade with them in the future, uh, like a no trade list. So Randy, like, courteously says, you know, I don't have him on his team. 
Uh, I don't have DeAndre Hopkins. And he says, all right, let me look at your roster. Okay, what are you thinking about A.J. Brown for a fourth-round pick? And Randy said he never responded again. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really, really, to this day, hope that Cascade was, was joking because, come on, man. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, like a top 10 potential with 22, 23-year-old receiver for a fourth-round pick where the best you're going to get is a throw at a dartboard? Yeah, okay. <laughs> the next move was another draft moment, and it involves our good friend Will. So, Will, he made that famous trade where he gave you the number two overall to get Jonathan Taylor, and he ends up getting 8-9. So, he starts off with Denzel Mims. He seems very confident about the pick. And then he gets to the ninth, and he doesn't even hesitate he doesn't kind of weigh if anybody wants to trade for the pick. No, you know, I think he asked and no one responded or no one was interested. So he's like, all right, I'm going to go with Keyshawn Vaughn, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And literally four seconds later goes, oh, no. <laughs> and immediately regrets taking that pick. He's like, I really shouldn't have made that pick. And then for, I think, like the next two rounds sporadically, if you go back and listen to our podcast about every, I think Will makes mentions of how he did, wishes he did not take Keyshawn Vaughn, which is so <laughs> funny. Um, who knows what's going to happen in Tampa? I mean, like, Keyshawn Vaughn was actually involved in the playoff game, but it also helps that Ronald Jones was hurt. So, mm-hmm. Keyshawn Vaughn had a few instances throughout the throughout the year where he was um, worth something. So, I mean, could turn into something, but yeah. <clears throat> You never know. It was funny. If we're going to go with another draft moment, uh, I think it was really funny. In, in Spaceball's debut to the league, um, he accidentally made the pick, then needed it uh, redone because he hadn't thought about it. And Will, in that meantime, saw that he was up and put a post-it note like the draft day movie <laughs> and said, Tyler Johnson, no matter what. And then when Spaceballs is like, oh, no, I made a mistake. Will was instantly regretting that. He's like, oh, no, what have I done? What have I done? Um, thankfully, Spaceballs did not pick Tyler Johnson, so Will got his guy. But it was just another instance of just, like, there was some funny stuff that happened in that draft. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, a moment I want to bring up as well, it, it also involves our good friend D. Sladke, came from the season when D. Sladke found a gif of Aaron Jones and he was using it as like a taunt. And I, who had Aaron Jones? I think Jake, right? Yep. And Jake was out for a game. And like D Slacky was like using the gif to like taunt Jake. And then immediately afterwards was pretending like he didn't know that was Aaron Jones. He was like talking about, he's like, oh, that's not Aaron Jones. I didn't, I didn't even know that was him. Even <laughs> though he clearly knew because he had to search something around Aaron Jones to use that gif. Especially because he was playing Cascade Bear that week. Yeah, that was that was interesting. <laughs> How about when we get a notification, Sleeper, Cascade Bear has updated, updated his nicknames. That's when you know you're about to see some pure gold. Now, I'd say <laughs> for sure that his football nicknames are far better than his basketball. Because in his basketball, I don't really know what's going on right now. I think he's just like renaming it after Bourbon or something like that. Yeah, I don't understand a lot of his basketball ones, but his football ones are phenomenal. Uh, I, I love the Spaceballs references as well, but when when you know Cascade Bear is about to change 
names, shit's going down. <laughs> okay, let's get into our next area of topic here, which is the what the fuck moments. So let's start off by talking about how, if you remember back, I, I believe me and Will, uh, when we were doing our team by team breakdowns, and then obviously you jumped in, uh, Tyler, we had projected him via quote unquote Vegas to win, I think it was 2.5 or 3.5 victories. And <laughs> it was off to a great start if you took that bet because Tyler started the year 3-0 and and no one had any idea how that happened. <laughs> and still to this day, we do not. How about the two Dak Prescott trades? So first of all, starting with Tyler trading, what was it, five pieces to you or six? Yeah, it was Darrell Henderson, Eric Ebron, Matt Ryan, Brandon Cooks, and I'm definitely forgetting some. Oh, uh, Latavius Murray mm-hmm. for Dak Prescott. And as soon as I got that deal, I'm like, uh, for Dak Prescott and a bunch of fab money. <laughs> and I, when I got that deal, I even threw in some more fab money. I was I was ecstatic. <laughs> I was ecstatic about that. Um, you got a bunch of pieces for that. Absolutely, yeah. And I still had Kyler sitting there, so I, I was very, very ecstatic. I'd been trying to trade because I had two top five QBs at that point yeah. for a while, and I'd been try- I'd been throwing some trades out there. No one was biting, and I was so happy about that trade. And this was also and, when Dak was healthy. Yep, and then he got hurt, and then you can say what happened next. And then Tyler, he traded away Dak Prescott to Will in exchange, so it was Dak in two seconds in exchange for Rodgers. So he clearly thought that Rodgers' price point was very, very high. Will took that point, and, or took that trade, and now here we sit. So Tyler has Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. Uh, I believe Kirk, or am I wrong on that? I think Kirk. <clears throat> so we'll see what he does. I know he has a ton of Cowboys. Oh, wait. I thought. What was it? Aaron Rodgers is incredible. He had probably won the MVP. He's a great player, but he's 36. Mm-hmm. Dak Prescott is, what, 27, 28? Yep. And, yes, he had a really horrific injury, but he'll be back next year, and For he's sure. good. So, I mean, I can somewhat see just quarterback for quarterback. It's still an overpay heavily. But then when you add two second-round picks, I, I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> and picture this, Dak Prescott is healthy. You got Zeke, you got that wide receiver core, a competent offensive line, and Mike McCarthy on opening day smashes a watermelon. (laughs) You know Dak's going off for 700. (laughs) All right, how about this? Randy offering B.C. Johnson as a piece in a package in every single trade discussion that he has. He overvalued B.C. Johnson the whole season. I still remember. <laughs> I think I have this in recording. It was definitely in the draft. I said that I'd rather have Tajay Sharp than BC Johnson. He said, Tajay Sharp ain't seeing the fucking field. He's a fifth string wide receiver. So BC Johnson was the key player that was on the block for quite some time. And he ended up still keeping BC Johnson. No one wanted him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember once B.C. Johnson got brought up in negotiations, I was like, who the fuck is B.C. Johnson? I had no idea who the dude was. 
<laughs> Speaking of offering people to literally everyone, you had a moment of that, including Will Fuller and Carrion Johnson. Is this true? Yep. Uh, during the draft, I offered both of them to anybody who had a pulse for anything. Um, I ended up trading him along with a second for a first to Sterk, and I think I lost that deal. Um, but during the draft, like going into the year, he was the, both of those guys were so injury prone. I was so inconsistent. I, every time I started them, they'd get nothing, and any time they didn't, they'd get a lot of points. I was desperate, and I, I think I sent at least five or six trade offers with both or one of the two of them during the draft. Nothing happened. Eventually, I traded carry-on at the trade deadline, and I was, I'm happy to be rid of both of them, um, although I'm kind of regretting the Will Fuller one. So, Trubisky on the trading block fiasco. Do you remember this moment? I don't, but I must have put this in here a long time ago. I don't, unless it's talking about when he was traded for duplicate players. Yeah. Which was know, a, maybe he was put on the I think he was put on the trading block when he was like benched or something like that. Gotcha. Um, I mean, if we're going to talk about that now, we can might as well talk about when he was traded for duplicate player, <laughs> an actual asset. Like Trubisky, I mean, I can shit on him as much as I want. I don't think he's a great player. I'm very hopeful that the Bears re-sign him though. Don't talk um, shit about the N- NVP. <laughs> uh, but. At the time, he was like a bench player, and I think someone was just giving up on him, and Will actually got an asset for duplicate player, which encouraged him to grab him a couple more times to see if he could get something for him. That trade was still preposterous, because duplicate player is obviously not going to get any points. He's not going to be startable. It's just about comedy, and Will got an asset for him. How about the time that Andy was given, literally given by me, Anthony Miller, refused to take him, and then sent them away for what was it a sixth? So what was the original trade? There, well, there were there was some a lot of contention on this. All right. So the original trade, looking back, also it wasn't a bad trade. So it was Tyler Lockett for Leonard Fournette. Uh, Leonard Fournette, the one of the IDPs on the Lions. I don't remember what his name is. Jamie Collins. Yep. Um, and what else was there? Anthony Miller wasn't he in it? No. No, he, he wasn't. Was- in it. It was Tyler. It was Tyler Lockett for Leonard Fournette and Jamie Collins. And that was it. And at the time, um, Leonard Fournette had just been cut oh. by the Jaguars. Um, and Le- and Tyler Lockett was the number one or one A one B receiver in Seattle, who had had a great year. And so, at the time, there was a lot of discussion about that. We had talked for a while about whether this should be, should be vetoed at all. Uh, there was multiple different chat rooms. A lot of different people had different ideas of what they should do. Um, and then we, I don't know, you talked to Ryan and you, you and convinced them to give up Anthony Miller, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how, yeah. how that all. And then Andy didn't want Anthony Miller, an actual legitimate player for the Bears. Still don't understand that at all. And then she traded him for a six, the Sturk. And everybody was outraged about that, too, because it was to, to make a trade good. Oh, the whole thing around that, though, is just not a great situation for the league. So how about the time that we had to make some precautions put in place in case of COVID? We didn't think that was going to happen. In fact, Randy said he would bet me a Chick-fil-A meal that no game is postponed or canceled in which... 
I think three or four were postponed and that was a complete mess. Hopefully we never have to go through that again. I hope so, but we'll see if everyone at that point the next year will be uh, vaccinated and we'll be safe, but we'll see. But that, that was a lot of mess trying to figure that all out. I know you went stress doing that. Yeah, that's for sure. Especially when you got a couple leagues you're running. How about this one? The birth of things you hate to see. This. I believe Will came across a meme, and obviously he loved using that as his catchphrase uh, when he was on the pod. Uh, but then, then he turned it into like things you hate to hear, things you love to hear, like stuff like that. This, that. <laughs> <laughs> it just it kept growing early in the year. And I think we talked about it on the pod one of the times. So I think he changed his team name at one point to things you hate to see. Um, he, he just, he went it all out on it. And then he's, then he stopped for a while and then he'll bring it out occasionally. Now I'm, I'm totally fine with it. It's just at the time it was, it, it, it ran its course quickly. <laughs> <laughs> this one is a very, very underrated moment that I don't think anybody would remember if we didn't document it. In week seven, Tyler started both Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb. Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb, I kid you not, combined for point one points. Point <laughs> one from two Cowboys wide receivers. What a nightmare. Yeah, that was, I think, that was that the week of Gucci Danucci? <laughs> <laughs> I am fairly confident it is. Now I'm going to go back and check this. I have point one because it just seems so asinine that it was that low of a score. So I gotta confirm this. But I, I did. I did go back and check at one point because I, I I was amazed when we wrote this down. But yes, yes, that is the correct case. That's like the, you get a PPR, you get a point for a catch. So did someone just do an end around for point one or like a catch for negative nine yards? I don't remember the the exact details of it. Um. But I do remember that point is the accurate score. You'll have to go back and see what the stats were. But it's just, I'm amazed still to this day. From his combined wide receiver positions, he gets point one. There is a reason that he did not win that week. <laughs> and you can just say it from those two players. Oh, my God. But hopefully that never happens again, especially with hopefully Dak coming back. That's for sure. My God, I I know you checked it, but I just need to confirm this. This is freaking ridiculous. <laughs> so he scored 104 points that week. Yup. Point one. C.D. Lamb had one carry for one yard. He had zero for five catches. Michael Gallup was over two catches. Holy crap. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Uh, how about the Tyreek blockbuster deal? That was massive, man. That was like a Randy-type move from last year, where Randy went all out to get Julio, got Nick Chubb. That's the type of move that obviously can win you championships, and Sturt definitely got it done. That's for sure. The trade was worth it in the end. Do you remember the exact – wasn't it like Tyreek and a second for like Juju and two seconds and a first or something? Yeah, I, don't I, think, really... I think it was something like that, like two seconds and a first. Uh, but I believe that Little Slaz got three picks, including a first and Juju. And then I think Sturt got like a third and Tyreek Hill or something to that nature. And both of them are getting really great value yeah. from, from the deal. 
but Sterk is going went for it and really used Tyreek to fully go for it and for sure. win the title. That's on deadline day too, which is awesome. Yeah, and that was that was our big uh, big move of the year for sure. Okay, so never forget Danny's in the semifinals against Randy, and he starts an IDP Jonathan Abrams who was ruled out and gets a zero, and he starts him in his playoff matchup. Yeah, um, even even if you think you did it, even if you think you sub him out. If you're in a playoff matchup, you double, you triple, quadruple check. Yeah. To make sure that happens. That one, that's just indefensible. Like, <laughs> even if you say you look back at it, you that one you cannot even come close to trying to defend. Okay, how about our Week 13 as a whole? We had so many playoff implications on the line. And, unfortunately, Eric Kendricks tweaked his hamstring, I believe, in warmups, literally one minute before the game, and they pulled him. They scratched him from the game, and Ryan got a zero in week 13 from Eric Kendricks and his IDP. I don't know if he would have made the playoffs if he started someone that would have started. Do you remember? He was seven points um, behind me, and seven or eight points behind me in season total points, and I got in on a tiebreaker in the playoffs hmm. by season total points. Um, Eric Kendricks, if I mean, he might not have gotten those seven, eight points, but there's a good chance he would have. And that would have propelled Ryan into the playoffs. Instead, he misses it by that close margin. And he gets a starting linebacker who is, I think, a top 15, 20 linebacker in the year. Out, no points. <laughs> that was just a terrible, terrible fluke so for his chance. Yeah, it just, it just is crazy. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to the player scores to remember going into next year. What I'm going to be planning to do is just kind of read through these. Don't really need to talk about them because we obviously don't know to the extent of what happened. If there's any big games that you want to talk about, let me know and we'll go from there. We broke them up into three segments. Um, we had the first half of the year, uh, weeks one to seven. Then we had weeks eight to 13. And then we had the playoffs, yep. I believe. Or no, playoffs were playoffs were part of um, weeks Eight through six, eight through sixteen. So the first half of the season it started. Let's talk about week two. Darren Waller had twenty eight points. Obviously, that can win you a week when you have a tight end to go off like that. Yeah, we had, um, and I should also clarify that we had the tire at every position. So tight end, wide receiver, quarterback, running back, and then an IDP player, and even a kicker. <laughs> Aaron Jones also scored 45.6 points in week two. That's a monster game. Absolutely. Steven Goskowski had the 25-point performance for Will in week three. This was after he was rumored to be cut because I think he missed <laughs> three or four field goals in week one, right? Something like that. And then he missed one or two in week two as well. And then he goes off and has like a fantasy, the top fantasy performance <laughs> by a kick in the first half of the year. Patrick Mahomes scored 48 points for me in week three. That's just nuts. That's an insane score, yeah. And then week seven, we had Tyler Lockett for Ryan. He had 53 points, 50-point performance. That's nuts, but he didn't do much in the second half. No, he didn't. Devin White for Spaceballs. And this is before the IDP buff to the scoring. Devin White had 22 points in week seven for the Tampa Bay Bucks. 
what a performance. And going back to that Tyler Lockett score for Ryan, it made the Anthony Miller trade even more preposterous at the time. Yeah. Tyreek Hill. Let's talk about the second half here. I'm going to go back. So week eight, going in order here. Patrick Mahomes had 46.6 for me as well. So another big time performance from him. Yeah, the top two scoring performances of the year go to Patrick Mahomes. Quarterback, at least, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dalvin Cook in week nine for Randy had 39.2 points. Great game there. Absolutely. Week 12, Youngway Koo had 21 points for Jake at the kicker position. And then we also had Tyreek Hill in week 12, 57.9. That is a league high score uh it is a new record 57.9 for Tyree Hill against the Bucks he basically had majority of his points in the first half I thought he was gonna get like 60. yeah I remember you and I were here watching that game with like my brother as well and we were just going nuts at how many points he was scoring so quickly he could not be stopped yeah another week 12 performance Derrick Henry 38 and a half for little slabs the Yeti. Week 13, the final week of the regular season, we had Darren Waller, 45 points for Sturt Daddy. 45. I think it's a tight end record. Yeah, I would assume it would be. And then also in week 13, we had Joe Schobert for Andy. She had He had 23 and a half points. Was that better than Devin White? I think he had 22. I believe so, yes. And that was the game when he picked six uh, Kirk Cousins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then we get into the playoffs. So in week 15, a game of note for sure for Sturt was Josh Allen with 41.6 six points for the Bills. Yeah, that one um, I just threw in there because it, ma- it mattered in the championship. Um, it was his top pl- uh, performance uh, player. So, And then in week 16, I know this isn't part of the playoffs, but Ryan had Alvin Kamara, who had 56.2 points. Six touchdown game for Alvin Kamara. Can't really and, say much else than that. Yep. And then also in the title game, we had Josh Allen. He had 40.3. So he had 44 in the semis and 40 in the title game. That's how you finish off the season. Absolutely. Uh, I think Stark is very, very, very happy with Josh Allen. That's for sure. So what we're going to come back with in our next segment is going to be about a dynasty outlook. We're not going to dig too deep into it. Just give some minor thoughts on that. And then we're going to get into our awards. So come right back after this. Or you. When we get married, you can tell me if you don't like somebody. And then we can bring them back here and whoosh! Right through the moon door. I like the sound of that. Let's put a moon door in your winterfell. All right. It can go in here, in this big Be tower. careful. You've ruined it. Now I'm going to have to rebuild the whole I thing. I didn't ruin it. You did. It was already ruined because it didn't have a moon door. I was fixing it. Knocking things down isn't fixing them. It's ruining I them. I didn't ruin it. You're being stupid. I didn't ruin it! So for this segment, we're going to go through three different things regarding the team. Again, this is all opinionated. Please do not take this personally. We're just talking about it. We're spitballing on this big, massive episode. So we're going to go through overall age and just briefly talk about it. 
by position for players. We're going to talk about our overall dynasty ranks right now. That takes into consideration rank of players, picks that are at hand going forward, youth, overall production as well. And then finally, we're just going to rank. Uh, we put together a thing that basically tells us who is best prepared for future drafts based off of the picks that they currently have. We did not take into consideration the spots in each round for those picks. So it's just based off of rounds and overall number of picks. So let's start first. We're going to talk a little bit about age. What Justin and I did is basically we went and we optimized a lineup. We wrote down all the ages of that. And then also we put in there any ages of players that may be important to briefly discuss. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to let Justin first talk a little bit about his team, um, which does look overall pretty young just by looking at it here i only see two people in the age of 30 justin what do you got yeah so to start off <clears throat> uh, the team fuck tom brady um has uh kyler murray at qb with who's 23 and the washed matt ryan at 35 um my starting running backs would be jonathan taylor and cam Akers, 21 and 22 which is looking phenomenal uh, and then at wide receiver um a little older uh i'd have Devonte adams Brandon Cooks, 28 and 27. Then uh, Cooper is 26. Devontae Parker is 28. And then Kirk is my young gun at 24. And then uh, like a two-headed monster at tight end with Logan Thomas at 29 and Eric Ebron at 27. My IDPs, uh, Donald and Wagner are getting up there a little bit, but my DBs and backups are good. So looking at my team then for quarterbacks, uh, this is the new Johnny Sins plus WWE club. So I got all my jobbers and famous WWE weird people in there. Quarterback right now, I got Patrick Mahomes, obviously, he's 25. And then my next backup is Ryan Tannehill with 32 for age. Jalen Hurts is in there, but I don't really need to talk about it right now because, to be honest, we don't even know if he's going to be starting for the Eagles. For my running backs, I have two younger running backs with Saquon, who's 23, and James Conner, who's 25. The problem is I don't have much depth behind it, and then... James Conner, who knows what his role is going to be. Wide receivers, my two starters are a little bit up there in age, but they're right in their prime. DeAndre Hopkins, 27, and Michael Thomas is 28. Uh, and then also my other wide receivers would be Jerry Judy at 21, and then Darnell Mooney at 23, who are both promising wide receivers. Tight end, I do have Travis Kelsey. He is 31, but obviously in his prime right now. And then my next backup would probably be Chris Herndon, who's 24. Looking at my IDPs, they're overall pretty young, um, but probably going to do a little bit of a rotation right now. Quinn N. Williams with 23. Uh, Kenneth Murray is 22. Derwin James is 24. And then Blake Martinez is 27. So what do you got about Jake's team? So Jake right now would be the, the two-headed monster of like either Baker or, sorry, Seat Covers or um, Outdoor Fireplace, who are 25 and 29. Um, his running backs, Backyard Lights, Antonio Gibson's 22, which is awesome. Aaron Jones, uh, most likely starting for another team next year, is 26. And um, Joe Mixon, or Joe's, I mean Jacob's, Garage is 24. Um, and at wide receivers, he's got Mosquito, Calvin Ridley at 26. Uh, Disco Ball, Deontay Johnson at 24. Um, and then we weren't sure where we're going to go next with his receivers. So we went with Sunflower. Mike Williams is 26. Um, 
And then you'd have three receivers and three running backs in those six spots. At tight ends, Mark Andrews is 25, and Dawson Knox is 24. Um, his, he's got a pretty solid IDP roster. Um, his oldest guy you'd be starting would be um, his defensive lineman, which is Shaq Barrett at 28. All the rest of his guys are young. He's probably starting three DBs, which is crazy because Jeremy Chin gets linebacker flexibility somehow. And he's got Minka and Jamal Adams. His DBs are incredible. So moving on to Team Backflip, uh, a.k.a. the year of the backflip. Looking at his quarterbacks, he's got two in their 30s. He has an age of 32, Kirk Cousins, and Aaron Rodgers at 37. He does have Tua Tungavailoa, however, who is 22. I know he pulled him off his taxi. Running backs right now, he has Ronald Jones and Kareem Hunt at 23 and 25. However, not much to back that, except for a couple scat backs. Wide receivers... Uh, he's looking at CeeDee Lamb, he's looking at Michael Gallup, and Antonio Brown if he catches on to a roster next year. Ages of 21 for CD, 24 for Gallup, and 32 for AB. Tight ends, he's looking at Gronk right now being 31 and Jonu Smith being 25. In the IDPs, he's got JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul at 26, uh, Jordan Hicks at 28, Buda Baker at 25, and then Levante David at 31 so you can see he is a bit aged at quarterback but does have two of there and his idps are right in the prime so going over to will's team which is currently money sign rockies it will change by the time this podcast is finished um he at quarterback he's got justin herbert who is looking phenomenal for his team at 22 uh tom brady at 43 and dak who we got in that steal of a trade at 27 um, his running backs, oh boy, that looks that looks really nice. Um, we know that Miles Gaskin and James Robinson, we're not sure where their roles are going to be with new uh, potential draft picks, coaching staffs, but still, David Montgomery is 23. Uh, Miles Gaskin was very impressive in limited work last year, 23, and James Robinson is 22. At wide receivers, he has got DK Metcalf and Chris Godwin. That's a pretty phenomenal one-two punch right there. Oh, that's right. He has Adam Thielen, who's also 30. Um, so 23-24. And then whoever his last flex spot we'd, we thought would be uh, the 22-26 age range, which is like LaVisca Chenault or Corey Davis. Um, at tight end, he's got TJ Hawkinson at 23 and Tyler Higby at 28. And all of his IDPs are very, very young, including the steal of Isaiah Simmons at 22 He's looking very nice in the IDP spots. Moving over to Andy's team then, we're looking at her quarterbacks being Burrow and Garoppolo. Who knows, to be honest, what Garoppolo's future is. So I think she's in a risky spot having Burrow, especially not knowing how healthy he's going to be to start the year. Anyways, he's 24 and Garoppolo's 29. Running backs right now, she has DeAndre Swift at 22 and then Melvin Gordon at 27. The next running back behind that, currently not taking into consideration draft picks, would be Leonard Fournette, a.k.a. Playoff Lenny. Wide receivers A.k.a. Then, fuck him. <laughs> that run was unbelievable. Wide receivers then, we're looking at Cooper Cup being 27, who is her, her oldest wide receiver of value. But then she's got Chase Claypool, Michael Pittman, and who am I missing? Justin Jefferson being 22, 21, and 23. A lot of room to grow. Tight end. She's got three of note. 
Evan Ingram's 26. Then behind, she has Irv Smith Jr. at 22 and Cole Komet at 21. You can see the youth is definitely there, and they all have a lot of promise. IDPs, she's looking at right now, um, to be honest, let's see here. Uh, so Harold Landry, correct, mm -hmm. for the DB or the defensive line at 24. And then also some linebackers of note would be Demario Davis at 32 and Schobert at 27, Joe. Uh, DBs, then she has... Um, Only the, the Saints guy at 33 years 33, old. 33, yeah. 33 years old. Malcolm Jenkins. Yep, that's his name, Malcolm Jenkins. And then finally in the IDP flex, we got Zach Cunningham, who is 26. Overall, pretty young. IDPs are a little bit up there in age, but as we know, you can rotate them in and out. Then we go over to Team Amelia Clark fan and Randy. Um, he's got Russell Wilson at 32. He has another. He has four other QBs in his roster, which we don't really know if any of them are going to have starting roles next year with Cam, Dalton won't, Gardner Minshew, and Stidham. So we'll just say Russell Wilson's 32 and leave it at that. Uh, then for his, roster, his running backs, he's stacked. Dalvin Cook's 25, Nick Chubb is 25, Miles Sanders is 23. Uh, we move to his wide receivers. They, tr they trend a little bit older. Uh, Mike Evans is 27. A.J. Brown is 23, which is looking phenomenal for him. Uh, then we got Odell at 28, and then he does have Julio Jones at 31. At tight ends, uh, Jarwin coming off the, AC, or the Achilles tear at 26. This is backup to Dallas Goddard, who looked like a monster at 26 last year. Uh, we looked at his IDPs. He's got Chandler Jones, Joey Bosa, uh, 30 and 23 respective, or 25 respectively, to go along with Josh Allen at 23. All those guys are great. Uh, he's got probably the best IDP linebacker uh, in Darius Leonard, as long as he stays healthy, who is 25. Jordan Poyer is 29, and Deion Jones is 26. His team is stacked. Let's move on to Ryan's team then. For quarterback, he's currently got Lamar Jackson at 24 and then Matthew Stafford at 32. Also has Darnold in the mix. Running backs right now, we're looking at Kamara and Kenyon Drake at 27 and 25. For wideouts, he's got a couple of note here. Starting with T. Higgins at 22, DJ Moore at 23, um, Kenny Galladay at 27, DJ Chark at 24, and then Tyler Lockett at 28. All good in the mix, guys. He's got a good mix of youth and prime age, guys. Tight ends, we're looking at Robert Tunyon at 26 and Zach Ertz, still there, at 30. In the IDP flexes, we're looking at, uh, first of all, Chase Young at the age of 21, Eric Kendricks at the age of 28. Um, for the defensive backs, we are looking at, I believe, Kenny Mo no, uh, John Johnson being 25. 25 and then also we're missing one person at 23 jesse bates at the age of 23 and we move on to little slads um he's got jared goff the new lions qb at 26 and no other people that are going to be starters next year so that'll be interesting he's looking on the market um then he's got Derrick Henry at 27 and Austin Eckler at 25. That looks pretty pretty good. Um, then coming back off the torn ACL, you have Cortland Sutton at 25, Scary Terry at 25, Robert Woods at 28, and Juju at 24. His tight ends, he's got Austin Hooper who is 26, and then 
it's either Jared Cook or Jimmy Graham who are both old as fuck. Um, <laughs> then we we go on to the IDPs, and Khalil Mack is 29, Jerome Baker is 24, uh, Jalen Smith is 25, and then his starting DB and Jalen Ramsey is 26. So he's got a pretty good age for his entire team, truthfully. It's just his backup tight ends are old. Looking at D. Sladke's team now. So starting with the quarterbacks, you have Teddy Bridgewater at 28 and Carson Wentz at 28. He does have Breeze. He's retiring. Running backs, we got Christian McCaffrey and Clyde Edwards-Lair at 24 and 21. Also Raheem Mostert at 28. Wideouts, we're looking at Jarvis Landry, Stephon Diggs, and Robbie Anderson at 28, 27, and 27. And then tight end, we have Noah Fant and no one else of note at 23. In the IDPs, we're looking at Cameron Jordan at the age of 31. Linebackers, he has two pretty good ones in Roquan Smith and Miles Jack, who are 23 and 25. For the DBs, we're looking at Tyron Matthew. And then finally, at the age of 31, we have uh, Cameron Hayward at the age of 31. So then we go to Spaceballs. Um, Deshaun Watson is 25. We'll just see what team he's playing quarterback for next year. Uh, Daniel Jones is 23. And Big Ben, who's most likely coming back, is 38. At running back, he has Ezekiel Elliott at 25. Moving on. Uh, Wide receiver. uh, He's got Allen Robinson at 27, free agent. Brandon Ayuk. Very good last year, 22. Marvin Jones is 30. Um, And then he also has uh, Hollywood Brown at 23, Kyler Boyd at 26. At the defensive line spot, he's got all-pro DeForest Buckner at 26. Devin White is his linebacker at 22. Kyle Fuller, his only DP or defensive back on his roster, beyond Okuda, is 28. And then Industrial Hairdryer or Tyrell Adams is 28. He's looking pretty solid for his team as well beyond uh, Big Ben. Did miss one area, which was his tight ends. 27, we had Kittle, and then we also have Hunter Henry at 26. Good So <laughs> let's move on to Sturt Daddy. Quarterback, Josh Allen, 24, moving on. <laughs> Running backs, we got Josh Jacobs and J.K. Dobbins, both 22. Did not know that about Josh Jacobs. We also have David Johnson at 29. And then Chris Carson at 26. So four pretty competent running backs. Wide receivers right now. We're looking at Tyreek Hill and Will Fuller both being 26. Followed by Keenan Allen at the age of 28. Tight end right now he's got Darren Waller and Hayden Hurst at 28 and 27 respectfully. Defensive line, Miles Garrett at 25. One of the top IDPs probably for the sack department. Uh, Linebacker, he's got KJ Wright at 31. Daniel Sorensen at the DBs. At 30, and then finally in the IDP flex, TJ Watt at 26. So looking at him, his team is a little bit middling for the age department, but also a lot of those guys are right in their prime, which is good. Let's move on and talk about our overall rankings right now. Basically what we're going to do here is I'm going to run through our consensus rankings. Again, this takes into consideration current team. Uh, This also takes into consideration draft capital. Afterwards, we're just going to briefly touch on the teams that we rank differently and then we'll move on so starting we have a tie for the first the number one overall team in our league being randy and sturk daddy i had randy at number one and justin had sturk at number one 
Any reason why you put Sterk over Randy specifically? Um, I mean, Sterk is our current champ right now, yep. um, and he has a pretty stacked roster and has some draft picks coming in um, in the next few years. Randy does as well. Randy's team is very, very good. Um, we just found out that Sterk is our champ. That's pretty much what the yep. only reasoning. Now, Randy has, as you know, some very, very promising, like he has Dalvin Cook. We look at A.J. Brown. We also look at Miles Sanders. Those are his big guys. As you see, he got knocked off this year. Didn't even get to the championship. Like you just said with Sterk, he has a lot more picks. Randy in 2022 has three picks. That's it. Doesn't help a team that has the guys in prime right now, but not much in terms of depth. Then moving on, we have myself ranked number three. I ranked myself number four and Justin ranked me three. We then have Will at number four. I ranked him three and Justin at five. Coming in at consensus number five, we have Jake, who I ranked six, and Justin ranked four. At six, then, we have Andy, who I ranked five, and Justin ranked six. Uh, and then consensus, we have number seven being Ryan, number eight being Little Slads, number nine being Justin, number ten being D-Slads, number eleven being Spaceballs, and then number twelve being Tyler Anything in there that stuck out? I see that we have, in total, six teams that we rank differently. But as you see, uh, they weren't outlandishly different. It was mm -hmm. within one or two spots. Yeah, um, I think the biggest one that stands out is Andy's youth. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think next year we both have her projected as a playoff team. For sure. Um, that that's the big one to me. Um, and. and then we'd lose Danny from the playoffs, uh, and we'd lose myself, and we'd throw in Will in there because Will came out on a run at the end of the year yep. and is bringing in a lot of youth. And the only reason Will didn't make playoffs because of injuries. That was it. Mm -hmm. uh, as we know, his team is one of the top teams. So let's look at the third area on this segment here, which is draft picks. So basically what we did is we assigned a point value to each round's pick. So... In perspective, we have a six-round pick being one, fifth being two, fourth being three, and so forth. We did not take into consideration position, which would obviously change this, um, but we were just looking in terms of an overall gathering of the picks. So putting this in perspective for ranks, number one for 2021 is Andy with 35 points of value. Number two, then, we have Little Slads at 33 points of value. Three, we have Will, who has 31. Four is Jake with 28. Five is Justin with 19. So you see there's a massive drop-off. Six, then we have Spaceballs with 18. Seven is Randy with 18. So they actually tied at six. However, Spaceballs has the 101, so we just gave that as a tiebreaker. Eight, we have Tyler with 17 points of value. And then nine is also D slads with 17 points of value. Again, Tyler's first is higher. Tenth is Ryan with 13 points of value. Eleven is myself with 12 points of value. And then 12 is Sterk with 11 points of value. What sticks out to you? Uh, the big one is Andy getting number one overall with a pretty stacked roster right now. Um, I think it's it's kind of crazy that Sterk is the least terms of value this year but I mean that, that's what happens when you go and get Tyreek Hill yep. um, I think that's pretty much it in that one yep he doesn't have many picks and obviously on the opposite side we have Andy with a lot 
Little Slads has a lot. I believe a lot of his are thirds. Will has a lot of seconds. Um, and then it, Jake's, I think he just has a couple sprinkled in in different rounds. Let's talk about 2022. So rank number one is Sturt Daddy. How to turn tables. <laughs> so he ranked 12 in 2021 and 1 in 2022. He has 30 points of value in 2022. Two then we have D Slads who has 29. Just to kind of put into perspective how that happened. The big one is definitely the fact that he got Randy's first and second in that Nick Chubb deal from 2019. Third we have Andy with 25. These are obviously current. And these values would probably change. Uh, fourth, we have Little Slads with 24. Fifth is Justin with 23. Sixth is Tyler with 22. Seven is Jake with 21. Um, eight is also Spaceballs with 21. And then we have nine is Ryan with 21. Oh my gosh, a three-way tie there. Uh, Will with 18 comes in 10th. And then myself in 11th with 12. And then finally is Randy with 6, which is the lowest. He's a 4th, 5th, and 6th in 2022. Does anything stick out to you about that year? Obviously, we, we touched on the fact that Sterk flips from 1 to 12. I think it's kind of ironic that we're I'm 5th and you're 11th in both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a Randy 6 total in points there. <laughs> that's, that's, that's rough. Uh, he's got a pretty stacked team, but not the greatest depth. So we'll see how he can manage things. I mean, like if you look at the bottom five point values overall, counting these two years, we have Randy with six, and then it goes Sterk with eleven, me with twelve both years, and then we have Ryan with thirteen this year. So Ryan kind of went and traded a lot of his picks in both the Lockett deal and the Camara deal, from my recollection. So. That is what we got about this section. Get ready. It's the award show next. I'm guilty of a far more monstrous crime. I'm guilty of being a dwarf. You are not on trial for being a dwarf. Oh, yes, I am. I've been on trial for that my entire life. Welcome in to the Red Wedding Award Ceremony. So Justin and I obviously had a couple awards that we did on our own. You all voted on them. We had all but one person vote. And we also did a couple of awards. Yeah. So we did a couple of awards on our own as well that we didn't think were worthy of a vote. So we're going to do those right now. So lead us off, Justin. What do you got? So I went back um, and looked at the lowest score of the year versus the highest score of the year. Um, So our contenders for lowest score of the year were Ryan in week nine. He had 85.74 points. Lefty in week seven and Andy in week one each had 99.72 points. But our winner... Week five, Andy's team with 71.52 points. That's incredibly gross. Yikes. Uh, Then the highest score of the year, uh, 
Wow, two week one participants. Uh, Danny, in a loss, had 203.5 points in week one. Sturk won that week with 207.78 points. But our top score was Sturk with 208.48 in week 12. I'm pretty sure that was a Tyree Kill 56-point game. <laughs> <laughs> then we have the trade guru of the year, and all this measures is the people that made the most trades. Coming up in third place, or sorry, fourth place is Andy with 10. And then a tie. Oh, I, I can't read. So we have <laughs> tied for third, we have Will and Sturk Daddy each with 23 trades. In second place, we have Justin with 24. And the winner for Trade Guru of the Year is yours truly with 31. I can confidently say that majority of my team was not drafted, with the exception of probably Saquon and Mahomes. Yeah, you were on the waiver wire, the trading uh, wire, all the time. What's your next award? My next award is the biggest overachiever team-wise. So we had three teams in the running. Um, what was our prediction for Tyler's win total? Wasn't it like two or three wins? I think we said three and a half. Okay. Well... I don't know where to, he started off 3-0. So he shattered his win total right off the bat. Um, but then he only ended up getting, was it five wins? Mm. So he was one. Of, he was a contender. My team was a contender because going into the year, including myself, no one really thought I had a chance of going to the playoffs. And I just squeaked in. Uh, but our winner for biggest overachiever team is Dee Sladke. Uh, he made the playoffs, and he made the semifinals where he uh, will get to the comedy moment. Uh, but he, his team had a very good year, uh, surprisingly. Um, I thought we, we thought he was going to be a solid team, but he made it to the semifinals in our league. So congrats to these lads. Then we have the award for the biggest underachiever team-wise with three candidates. The first being Ryan, who had high expectations, being the number one seed in 2019 making it to the title game we then had randy who was the defending champion and didn't even get to the championship this year but our biggest underachiever team wise this year goes to will and unfortunately a lot of it have had to do with injuries ryan did barely miss the playoffs and will was out of the running rather quickly he did come on strong at the end of the year and I know he is in the perspective of, hey, why not be competitive the entire year? You look kind of like embarrassing if you don't. So Will wins the award for biggest underachiever team-wise. And this isn't really a dig at his team either. His team is really good. It's just he got decimated by injuries early on. And once he recovered, he made it at least close to make the playoffs. Just going into the year, we had him as like a 9-10 win team. Uh, then we move on to the biggest fab spender. We have three nominations. Uh, Lefty, Tyler, and Lefty. I think our winner was Tyler. Uh, he blew everyone else's free agent spending out of the water. Um, he got multiple trades where he got a lot of fab and he still spent almost all of it. 
he was the most active person on the waiver wire combined. I would have to guess, and we didn't go back and look at the math because that would have been insane, uh, that he spent probably around $200 worth of fab this past year. So he far and away is our biggest fab spender. Our next award is the closest matchup of the year. So starting with, we had week 13, Will versus Spaceballs, in which Spaceballs lost to miss the playoffs. Will beat Spaceballs by .62. Wow. We then have Will over Ryan by .1 in week six. And then finally, we had Logan over Andy by .96 in week seven. As you can see, the winner is Will over Ryan by point one in week six. Crazy matchup. Mm-hmm. It's awesome when fantasy matchups get really close and you just look back and see like what you what your guys could have done. One extra yard, one extra half tackle. But when it's point one, that's just nuts. Uh, then we have the final one that we talked about um, just between ourselves. We had the biggest clapping of the year. So there was three nominees for this one as well. Um, there's plenty to pick from, but these are the three that were by far the worst. Um, unfortunately, Randy beat me by 72.7 in week 12. Uh, the second place was Ryan beating Spaceballs, 76.64 in week 10. But the winner yes, uh, was when I beat Andy by 106.38 in week five. That is also, I believe, the week where she had the lowest score in our history. Yes, that was. Had to have been. Yep, uh, it was. So, wow, that was that was quite the victory there. So now, let's get into our awards that you all voted on. So again, we had 10 responses. Um, actually, that would be that two people did not respond. We had Good 10 man. people. Yep. We had 10 people respond to the awards. So let's start off, first of all, with the Why the Fuck Are They on a Roster Award? With our three candidates being Matt Gay. Reminder, he was on the roster for Danny for half the season, and he was an NFL free agent. Second, <laughs> Roberto Aguayo, who made four appearances on the Logan's roster. And third... He made numerous appearances on numerous people's roster. Duplicate player. In a slim 4-3-3 to three to three margin, duplicate player takes home the award for why the fuck are they on a roster. Ooh. I definitely had Matt Gay. I think I had a rant early on in the year when he was a free agent. I think I brought it up on the podcast a few times. Mm-hmm. Darn. <laughs> Then we get into our next award, which is the Preposterous Trade of the Year Award. Three contestants are Anthony Miller for a sixth round pick, Dak Prescott for two seconds and Aaron, or sorry, Dak Prescott and two seconds for Aaron Rodgers. And third, duplicate player for Mitchell Trubisky. The winner by a five to four to one vote is Dak Prescott plus two seconds for Aaron Rodgers with 50% of the vote. What came in second? I'm assuming the uh, duplicate player for Trubisky trade? Second place with four votes was Anthony Miller for a six-round pick. Wow. 
Okay. So one vote for the duplicate player, Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, I thought, thinking critically, duplicate player is a made-up player, and Trubisky was the starting quarterback at the time. I didn't pick it. I'm just surprised that that wasn't second. Uh, Dak took two seconds for Rodgers. was by far the most preposterous. Our next award is the Sleeper Complaint of the Year Award. With our three choices on the ballot being... Quote, sleeper put a bid in for $21 on Corey Clement, not me, end quote. <laughs> Second, quote, sleeper doesn't work on desktop, end quote. <laughs> Third, quote, sleeper, sleeper projections had me at a 98% chance of winning twice. They need to fix their algorithm, end quote. The winner with 60% of the vote... It was a 6-3-1 vote, is, quote, Sleeper Projections had me as a 98% chance of winning twice. Need to fix their <laughs> algorithm, end quote. I definitely thought the Corey Clement one was going to win that one, but both of those were pretty phenomenal. Our next award for Taxi Graduate Player of the Year, with our four choices being, one, Justin Herbert, two, Chase Claypool, three, Harrison Bryant, and four, Donovan Peoples-Jones. This vote ended in a six to four narrow vote with the Taxi Graduate Player of the Year going to Chase Claypool with Justin Herbert with four votes. That's We've, we've told Andy for like a, at least eight weeks to bring him up. And he did make some uh, inroads towards the end of the year. Uh, some great, great performances by that rookie. All right. So next we get to the most overused notification in the chat award with four choices. First, big fan of. Second, things you blank to see. This. Third. <laughs> Entire team nickname changes. And fourth, duplicate player has been added from free agency. The winner in a very narrow four to three to three vote is things you blank to see this. What was the two that were with three votes? Two with three votes were big fan of and entire team nickname changes. All three I don't like, but big fan of is awful. <laughs> Let's move on to the IDP Army of the Year Award with our four contestants being D. Sladkey, Will, Andy, and Randy. In an explosive five to two to two to one vote, D. Sladkey takes home the award for IDP Army of the Year. The voters got it right. Let's move on to the Fantasy Steal of the Year award. Justin Herbert, James Robinson, Antonio Gibson, and Corey Davis. With Three of the points being on Will's team now, although <laughs> two at Davis for the regular season. In an 8-2 to two vote, and the other two didn't get a vote, the winner is James Robinson, 8-2. to two. 
That was a phenomenal fantasy uh, waiver wire pickup. Um, congrats, Will. That was that was awesome. The next award is the nickname of the year award. We had seat covers. Come on, guy. Three point four six. Slant boy. And bucks and sixes doppelganger. In first place via a five to three to two victory. Come on, guy. Three point four six is the victor. Ooh. I thought C coverage was gonna win that for sure. Both of which were Jake's nicknames. Yes. Did C covers come in second? C covers came in second with Do Bucks and Six Doppelganger in third. Okay, I can accept that. Congrats, Jake. Then we have the podcast moment of the year award. Our choices are the birth of team backflip. Justin finds out Ryan handcuffs starting tight ends. <laughs> Randy would like to speak to the manager. And Dak plus two seconds for Rogers rant. The winner via a four to three to two to one narrow margin is the birth of team backflip with four votes. What was the second and third there? Second place was Dak plus two seconds for Rogers rant. Third okay. place was Justin finds out Ryan handcuffs starting tight ends. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I I think that's a that's a good that's a good winner. I, I think the the Dak plus two seconds rant's what I voted for, but both of them that are definitely deserving. Our next award is the fantasy football bum of the year award the choices are Saquon Barkley Christian McCaffrey Michael Thomas and George Kittle the winner in a 6-4 to four vote is Michael Thomas wow over McCaffrey I'm assuming McCaffrey with 4 votes yeah I can definitely see both of those because Kittle and Barkley didn't have the biggest as big of injury risks as the others, so that makes sense. Moving on to the fantasy defensive MVP award. It was a four or well, before we get there, choices were Buda Baker, Miles Garrett, Roquan Smith, and Devin White. The winner via a four to two to two to two vote. Roquan Smith from the Chicago Bears. Wow. I, I definitely thought Buddha had that wrapped up, but Roquan Smith had a phenomenal year as well. Congrats to these lads. Part of his IDP army. Yep. Our next award is the 2021 Sleeper Pick with four candidates. Starting with Andy, Lefty, Little Slads, and Spaceballs. The winner via a six to three to one vote is Andy. Yes, that's that's the right option there. Andy has so many good players going forward and some top picks. So he's in a very good spot for next year. Next, we have the Fantasy Football MVP Award. 
Our choices are Alvin Kamara, Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes. For all number one at their position, according to this graphic. The winner with a six to four vote, Devontae Adams. Yeah! Kamara got second, I'm taking it, but that's amazing. And Kamara did not take second. Kamara did not have a vote. Wow. Four votes, Travis Kelsey. Okay, he had a phenomenal year as well, but I'm, I'm jacked. My guy, fantasy MVP, got me to the playoffs. Let's move into the Offensive Fantasy Rookie of the Year Award. The options are Justin Herbert, Justin Jefferson, James Robinson, and Jonathan Taylor, four J's. <laughs> the winner via a five to three to two vote was Justin Jefferson. As he should have, that's it. Had a phenomenal rookie year at the Vikings. Uh, definitely the top receiver that got out of the draft, I think, as of right now. Our next vote is the Defensive Fantasy Rookie of the Year. With our options being Jeremy Chin, Patrick Queen, Antoine Winfield, and Cameron Curl. The winner via a seven to two to one vote, Jeremy Chin. What a great year he had as well. Uh, I'll never forget when Jake had him chilling on the bench when he had the two fumble recovery for touchdowns in a row. Mm -hmm. Then we move on to the kicker of the year award with our choices being Jason Sanders, Young Wei Koo, Rodrigo Blankenship, and Daniel Carlson. A winner via a six to two to two vote, Young Waku. What a year, phenomenal year for him. Then we have the Trade of the Year Award. Our options are Bucks and Six lands Travis Kelsey, Sturt Daddy lands Tyreek Hill, Will lands David Montgomery, and Will lands Dak Prescott. The winner via an eight to one to one vote is Tyreek Hill. With Will Fuller getting um, suspended for steroids on, on his way to the championship, Sterk definitely needed Tyreek Hill to ball out, and he 100% did. Uh, congrats to Sterk in the championship. Tyreek was a big part of that. And although, uh, there was some pretty good value that um, was it Little Splats got with Juju and a few picks. We now have the stop right now moment of the year. Based off of something preposterous happening, our contestants, Amelia Clark fan, continues to praise BC Johnson. Andy refuses to be gifted Anthony Miller. Danny starts an inactive Jonathan Abram in a playoff semifinals and claims he made a switch. And fourth, Randy values Darius Geis as a first round pick post being cut by the football team <laughs> the winner via a four two 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 vote danny starts an inactive jonathan abram in a playoff semi-final game and claims to make the switch 
That was that was that was the right choice for sure. Um, in a, especially in the playoffs, you got a double, quadruple, triple, centuple, sextuplet. I don't know. Check check your lineup all the time to be sure. Our final award is the For the Throne Draft Moment of the Year. Our contestants are D. Sladkey negotiates with the wrong team to land Jerry Judy. Jake attempts to receive DeAndre Hopkins from the wrong team and AJ Brown for a fourth round pick. Will drafts Keyshawn Vaughn and five seconds later states he regrets the pick. And finally, Andy roasts the Sladkey brothers the entire draft. In a seven to two to one vote, the winner is Jake attempts to receive DeAndre Hopkins from the wrong team and AJ Brown for a fourth round pick. <laughs> he came in late and uh, I don't know. There was, lot, there was some fun moments in that draft. I'm very, looking forward to next year's. That is all for this mega episode of The Red Wedding. We hope you enjoyed it and we will continue to provide you content as it's necessary. See ya. Deuces. 2020 was a rough year for many people. You know, unprecedented times. Uh, and one of those other unprecedented times was the Amelia Clark fan club not uh, being on the throne at the end of the year. Unprecedented times. 2020 hit some people hard, and it hit us pretty hard. We went into the season as favorites to a repeat as for the throne dynasty champions and 2020 hit people hard with this uh, year and we finished third place this year so no longer is the Amelia Clark fan club on the throne congratulations Stirk Daddy